Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Well, friends, I want you to know the U's. Uh, this is the U family here uh, with us today. There's Ling and Grace and Monica and Eileen U. Uh, and they're here today because they're going to help me begin the sermon uh, in this series that has begun. Uh, we're now moving all the way through the mid part of our series, ending next week, about can I get a witness? And we've been talking about being a witness for Christ in our world. And we've been talking a great deal about how bearing witness begins with paying attention to what God is up to in us. I mean, right now, at work, in us. And I just want you to know that, that every time we, we encounter the you family, all of you, um, every time at church, we recognize that there must be something going on inside your hearts because you, you radiate with the love of Christ with anyone who knows you and speaks to you. And I just wanted to talk a little bit today and, and ask you about that in front of our, our friends and the first question is always going to be kind of a little bit an easy one to answer because I want to know, and I want them to know, when did you come to JCBC, JCBC and when you, when you joined the church, um, why did you come for the very first time? Why, what made you come here and, and, and why have you stayed? Uh, we, we get connected to JCBC with um, Frank, his choir. Kids choir. Yeah, okay. we, a few years ago, we moved to this area. They were young and needed activities so we google church kids event and we found here yeah about three years about three years ago we started our first sunday here Mm -hmm. we love the heartfelt worship um kids program sunday school and of course the caring and loving jcbc people you all made us feel at home um furthermore we so many role models here they walk humbly with God and express God's love in so many ways. And that's really encouraging us. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, besides uh, what Grace just said, um, there are some things I feel very special uh, in JCBC. Uh, those brothers and sisters, uh, though I cannot name them at all. Uh, well, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They serve in the children ministry and really have a good influence to our kids. So that's why we want to raise our kids uh, in this environment. So as you know, uh, last year, uh, uh, Eileen accepted Jesus Christ and was baptized. And this is a big thing for her and for our family. It's huge. It's huge. So maybe I'll ask you a question next, Eileen. So grab the microphone there. Yeah, there you go. And just tell me, same kind of question I have for you. Um, what do you love about the church? Why do you want to come here? What is it that, about church that makes you excited about being here? I like choir and how my friends are here to encourage me. Okay. All right. 
So and how about Monica? Monica, what do you think? What, what do you love about the place? I like singing in choir and learning about God in Sunday school. Yeah? Okay. Fantastic. Did you learn something this morning? Yeah? I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is like a pop quiz. What did, did you learn? What did you learn today? What did you think about today in Sunday school? Um, God's people were complaining about living in the desert. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So, so I bet you're going to continue learning about what God did with, with those complaints and what, what became when we become honest with God, right? That's, that's great. I'm glad you were paying attention. I'm glad you were really listening. That's awesome. Hey, so this question is for either one of you. So if you could invite, now I know some of your friends already come here, but if you could invite somebody who you know perhaps doesn't have a home, like a church home, and they're not going to church, and they're one of your friends at school, what would you, what would you tell them to come to first? What's the first thing that you would say to them about coming to the church? Where would you bring them? To Sunday school. Sunday school? Okay. All right. What about you, Eileen? I would bring them to choir. Yeah? Okay. Because um, they would be inspired by how choir is different from just like chorus from school or just singing at home. Yeah. Why do you think that is? What's, what's different about it here than school chorus? Because at school, you would be singing different songs and maybe like chorus and choir are different, uh-huh. like the directors are different and they might um, direct in different ways. Sure, sure. And, and I bet what you're singing about here is is about some different things, right? Mm-hmm. About the love of Jesus, and that's great. So I've got another question then for, for the whole family. Um, so I know that you lead a Bible study, right? And you started a Bible study in your home, uh, I don't know how many years ago, it's been going on for some time, in, uh, is it Chinese or, or, or Mandarin or Taiwanese? Uh, it's Mandarin. In Mandarin, so in, uh, in Mandarin, you led a Bible study in your home, but it grew. And it grew so much that you couldn't keep it in your home, and, and you brought them to your church. And now you meet on Friday nights here, uh, the Mandarin-speaking uh, Bible study. Can you just tell us about that? I mean, how'd that start, and what is it that is behind all that that drives you to do that ministry? Uh, we used to go to a Chinese Christian church and have weekly Bible study. Um, so after we moved to Jones Creek area, uh, we saw quite some Chinese uh, living here. And majority of them uh, haven't believed in Jesus Christ and uh, don't go to church regularly. So something in our hearts uh, pushed us to share the gospel with them. So uh, we invite some friends and some neighbors uh, to our house nicely. Yeah, because we don't want them to think it's a trap. Yeah, right. <laughs> Truth in advertising. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so, so, so after a while, we have some uh, friends and and neighbors established. We start uh, to have a Bible study uh, once a month. So, uh, yeah, basically, we go through some. Uh, uh, Christian faith and some uh, Bible knowledge and share the life with them. Uh, so uh, after Pastor David uh, knew that we have this group in our house, uh, he 
invited us to bring it to the church. So we are very glad and grateful, uh, yeah, because JCBC has the passion of the gospel uh, for the community and for the kingdom of the God. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So that's why we started. Okay, okay, that's it. That is so in- inspiring on so many levels, um, because we know that the Church of Christ began in a ho- in homes until it couldn't be contained, and it's just a, a reminder. And your family, your family is a reminder to us that that if Christ is in the home, then you can't contain that. You, it's something that you want to share, and it will grow beyond your, your own ability to control. So one last question for you, um, because the way we've been talking about bearing witness is that you don't have to be creepy about it. You could, be, you could just be normal and share what it is that's happening in your life and, and what God, we've been saying it this way, what is God up to in your life? And, and so my last question for you is when you think about the you family, what has God been up to in you? Wait, wait. <laughs> so, wait, that was not on purpose, but you know. But yeah, what I know th- it's uh, you from you family to we family. Okay, okay, that's it. <laughs> good, good. Uh, um, we we were talking about stewardship in our Sunday school. Uh, God wants us to be faithful uh, with ma- little things and be faithful uh, with the opportunities that are before us. So we want to exercise our faith through those we have commitment. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, for Grace, uh, choir is a big part of her life. And uh, um, so every Wednesday night when she uh, comes back from the choir practice, I can feel the she is refreshed, yeah, and uh, uh, she will. Sh- uh, she shared with me uh, the the devotion, the prayer requests, uh, some games or even jokes or some fun <laughs> things you did. <laughs> so yeah, and I can see a smile on her face and uh, joy in her heart. So yeah, so. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, yeah, amen. Can I get a witness? Thank you, choir. Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very true. And yeah, and, and also uh, we, uh, we used to have a monthly Bible study, and now we increased twice. Uh, and uh, a few weeks ago, we started adding additional one, mainly focused on um, the life sharing and discussion of the faith. So the topic will be like um, the Christian faith versus uh, evolution, atheism, uh, materialism, and uh, some Chinese uh, traditional religions and Chinese culture. Yeah, because we feel we come from the same background, so we may know uh, the struggle of some people. And then, um, so we start adding this type of topic in our Bible study. So we believe God will help us to find their blockers. Uh, and we pray that God will eventually remove those blockers and lead them to God's grace and mercy. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to join you in that prayer. We'll be praying for you and with you while you're, you're serving and loving them in Jesus' name.
would you just join me in expressing your thanks to the U family? Let's take just a moment and, and offer a prayer now as we continue to worship. Uh, in Christ, we do, we do stop to give you thanks, uh, not only for the U family, uh, for who they are and, and their vibrant witness among us, but we give you thanks for having something to witness about. We give you thanks for the grace and the love that has been poured out um, upon all of us. And our prayer right now, as we move to a time of study, is that you would open our eyes and open our ears, that we may be able to see and hear, that we may be able to perceive what it is that you're attempting to do in us and among us for the sake of your kingdom on earth. We welcome now your spirit to speak to us. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So earlier this week, on Thursday and Friday and most of Saturday, uh, I was privileged to be a part of the beginning of a new initiative for our denomination, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. I've been invited to join a group of 12 other leaders from around our denomination around the nation and, and a little bit beyond, to begin thinking strategically about what God is up to in the life of our fellowship, in the life of our denomination moving forward. We're starting a long-term strategic planning process where we try to perceive and discern what God is attempting to do in and among us as a body. And the reason I said yes to serve on that, that committee, that task force, is because I perceive that the point of that task force is to attempt to address on a national level what hundreds of churches just like JCBC are attempting to address on a local level, and that is what is God up to in these rapidly changing times in which we find ourselves trying to be the church. You've heard me talk for some time about the reality that the world has shifted and in a hundred different ways we live in a post-Christian era where all the behavior of church folk have changed. The cultural expectations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus have been morphed in some kind of way that is unrecognizable to just a generation or two ago. The frequency with which we come to worship has shifted. The way in which we give of our resources has shifted. The way we engage in church and disengage in church has shifted. So the attempt to understand what God is up to through all this is a worthy call. And to be honest with you, we're asking some serious questions. What does it even mean to grow anymore? Many in this congregation may remember, just as I remember, that long ago there was a way to describe and even measure growth, and we focused so much on numeric growth that that was a very easy way to discern whether a church or, or a movement was successful. If you have more bodies in the room than you did this time last year, well, then you're growing. We knew that there were other layers of growth, spiritual growth, developmental growth, but we really were focused so much on that that in recent days, the shift 
in the way that church members who love their church, the shift in the way they are attending, you are attending at different patterns and rhythms is causing us to ask deeper questions about the other kinds of growth that perhaps for a long time have gone under-addressed. If you love more deeply today than you did one year ago, it's growth. If you have held on with both hands to the handlebar and worked so hard at reconciling a relationship that fell apart or that was strained, that is a growth that is happening in you. If you're more patient now than you used to be, if you're more willing now to yield to a life in which you're not in control but you trust the one who is, that's growth. But even in the midst of pursuing all those those growth points, this is the point of all four of our initiatives that we have just launched. Growth in our area of youth, senior adults, member mobilization, and a deliberate marketing strategy so that we are able to grow in both ways, deep and wide. And in the midst of that, I, I, I want to say out loud because I think you need to hear it we ought to still be aware that there is value in numeric growth. That when I think about from 2018 to 2023, there will be 54,000 new neighbors moving in the 10-mile radius around where you're sitting. 54,000 new neighbors who will come hungry and thirsty for the same things for which you hunger and thirst meaning, reconciliation, peace of mind, steadiness of heart, when I know they're going to be moving in, longing for the same human things that we all long for. I think if if they knew we were here, if they knew what they could experience in this community of faith, well, we couldn't contain the number of people who would come longing to eat from that kind of feast. The trouble is, all the initiatives in the world may look good on paper. All the preaching in the world, all the singing in the world. Churches today will say, we are doing everything that we know to do as well as we know how to do it. But there's one missing ingredient. There is one key ingredient that will make the whole thing work. And without this key ingredient, none of it works. The secret sauce in the recipe is you. The followers of Jesus Christ. So today, for just a minute or two, I want to speak from my heart to the church I love and make a pastoral appeal for you to make the growth of Johns Creek Baptist Church a priority in your spiritual life. Now, where do we start with that? I think the secret may be in the first chapter of John that we heard just a moment ago. The Gospel of John is my favorite gospel. It begins with that glorious language in chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and everything that came into being came into being through him. And the thing that has come into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. 
Then down in verse 14, that word has become flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son. The gospel of John begins with this amazing, unparalleled, unprecedented claim that this God who's being introduced in this gospel is a God who can be seen, felt, heard, touched, known. And then in the midst of that introduction of a God who for the first time in human history could be known, touched, felt, embraced, we hear these words in chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. Now he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Listen, we've not even gotten six verses into the opening chapter of this Gospel of John in which John says, hey, listen, there's a God who can be known. You can touch him, see him, feel him. He's going to have a name. But before we even hear his name, we're introduced to another name. The energy of the text begins to shift in which we are told that before the light can be known, there must be somebody to point to the light. And that's John the baptizer. John the Baptist enters into the scene. He's kind of a quirky, peculiar prophet. He wears strange clothes. He eats strange food. But he knew with, with crystal clarity what his purpose was in life. To point. To point to the light so that a world walking in darkness can stumble their way out of the shadows. In fact, in the history of art, every time John the Baptist is, de is depicted in art, he's depicted pointing. Like here's, even as a child here, even though that one looks a little bit like he's like, hey, what's up? Hey. You know, he's actually pointing to the cross. Other pictures pointing to the cross. John the Baptist pointing to the prophet on the hill, pointing again and again until you get to perhaps the most classic known rendering, which is by Matthias Grunwald, and this is the crucifixion of Christ, the next one, where John the Baptist is depicted on the right side of your screen there, pointing to Jesus the crucified. We know that historically he wasn't at the cross. He was beheaded long before the crucifixion, but if you look closely at the pointing the artist even rendered his finger elongated longer than a normal finger in order to make the point somebody somewhere has to take it upon their, their own calling to be the pointer for the one who is the star of the show. And it raises a question for me, who pointed for you? Who pointed you toward the light? Did somebody love you out of the shadows? Did anybody ever pray with you or hold your hand through seasons of despair or questioning? Who pointed you toward faith? I want you to think of them right now in your mind and even silently as you think of them and see their faces, I want you to lift up a simple word of gratitude to God. Thank God for them, for you stand in the light because they pointed a way for you to find it. 
They were like moons to you. See, a lot of us go through life acting like we're the sun, trying to radiate our own energy as if we are the star. But in reality, people of faith are not suns. We are moons meant to reflect the light of the true source of life so that in the night, our reflection of that one who is the true light will somehow illumine the darkness for others. That's why we hand a candle out to Holland today after her baptism, because now Holland, just like you and me, we are all required to bear a light so that others may see. Who was a moon to you? So John the Baptist, as you heard read earlier in the service, is standing there one day and he's with his two disciples and Jesus walks by and he points and he says to his two disciples, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples begin to follow because they trust the pointer. They trust his experience and his insight. Somebody trusts you. They trust him, so they begin to follow Jesus. And the text says that Jesus turns and says to them, what are you looking for? And with that question comes a massive assumption. That question is soaked, it's dripping wet with assumption. And the assumption is that everybody is looking for something sometime. Everybody you know is looking for something Sometime. The family members who you think you have already figured out, the ones who live in your home and eat your food, the ones you share life with, you may assume you know everything about them, but there is no end to the exhaustible mystery of the ones you love. They're still looking for something. The person who will serve you lunch today and take away your, your empty food, your empty plates, they're looking for something. Well, they're looking for a tip, by the way. So be good Christians and tip them big. But the one who cuts your grass is looking for something. The one who cleans your home is looking for something. And so are you. Everybody is looking for something somehow. Part of being a witness is to remain aware, awake, that even the one with whom you work at, at the office and they get on everybody's nerve, they too are looking for something. Somebody is looking for affirmation, for peace of mind, steadiness of heart. They're looking for security in the unknown. They're looking, some among us are looking for an option out of the tedium of a life of boredom. And some look for justice to make things right that have been wrong. And some just want peace because their hearts have been unsettled for years. Everybody's looking for something. And Jesus says, what are you looking for? And Andrew speaks up and says, where, where, are, you, where are you staying, Rabbi? Rabbi, where, where are you staying? And on the surface, it looks as if he's simply asking, where are you sleeping tonight? Where have you found lodging? But because he knows he's a rabbi, he assumes that the rabbi has a certain um, CV, a certain resume, a certain orientation, theological, political orientation. He knows that every rabbi is either going to be conservative or liberal or modern. He knows that every rabbi is going to have some belief about uh, the role of the empire in their life of faith. He knows this and says, where are you 
staying. The word staying is the Greek word minnow, which means where are you abiding? Where are you camping? Where do you camp out on all those issues? Because what I really want to know before I I hitch my team to your wagon or my wagon to your team is are you worth the pursuit? Are you worth it? What are you looking for? I'm looking for a life that's worth it. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't say, well, let me here, let me give you a bullet pointed list of things that you're gonna get when you come with me. Here, let me send you a link. You can click it and read all about me. He says to him instead, come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Because in this gospel that introduces not only the gospel of John, but the entire corpus of Johannine literature, we are introduced to a reality that this is a God who not only can be seen, touched, felt, known, but requires that you do so in order to know him. That you step forward and you you see for yourself. You don't take somebody's word for it, but you come and experience it for yourself. So Andrew did. He follows Jesus and he sees that he's the real deal. (laughs) And because he sees he's the real deal, he turns immediately and he goes to tell his brother, whose name is Simon, later you and I will know him as Peter, and he tells him immediately about the thing that he has come to discover, which is fascinating to me because if you come and see, the next thing that you will do is you will go and tell. If you come and see and you see the one we're talking about, you cannot not go and tell because he loves his brother and wants him to come and see the thing that he, so he did and Peter comes and believes and there's a whole story there. The next day we're told that Jesus is walking through another area and he comes across Philip and he says to Philip, follow me and Philip follows him and Philip believes and then Philip says, you know, who needs to know about this? Oh, my best friend, I need, I need to go and tell Nathaniel. He goes and tells Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you're never gonna get... Believe this. You get a load of this. I, I just met the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. To which Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? All right. Everybody knows Nathaniel. There's a Nathaniel in every family. Yeah. Who knows just enough to actually know what they're talking about, but knows a little, press a little, too much to be welcoming of surprise. See, there's skepticism in all of us, cynicism in all of us that keeps us from coming and seeing for ourselves. So he said, hey, can anything good come of Nazareth? But do you know what Philip said in response to him? Hmm. Come and see. Come and see. Beloved, there are no words more powerful in you becoming a witness for the sake of Christ in these six words, come with me, come and see. Come with me and come and see. The reality is we sometimes think we can't be a witness because we we don't know the words to say. We don't know the scriptures to quote. We sometimes assume that we have to have this propositional kind of argument laid out in case they ask us a question and we don't know what to say. No, no. To be a vibrant witness for the cause of Christ simply means this. 
You already have in you right now everything that you will ever need to be a witness for the Lord. Have you been rescued from anything? Have you ever had yourself feel like you've got company at the midnight hour and at the very darkest hour of despair found yourself strangely comforted by a God who is an ever-present help in time of trouble? Have you ever been part of a thing that fell apart and then went through the hard work of watching God piece it back together? If you have at any point in your life gotten to a place where you're stuck And yet by God's good grace and mercy beyond mercy, God unsticks you and lets you live again. If in you there is an inner aliveness right now, you have everything you will ever need to be a witness for Christ. The only thing you need to do now is find a way to say these six words. Come with me. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Do you realize how ridiculous it would be If you, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Daniel Martino, who serves on this committee that I'm telling you about. Is he in the room today? I thought that was you, brother. I can't see with all these lights. I'm glad you and your daughter uh, uh, came here today. Daniel Martino is the coolest man alive. Listen, he's a pastor uh, in Connecticut and is part of the Latino network uh, in this Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And he's not preaching today. So he said he's going to come hang out with us. And we were talking a couple of nights ago during this meeting and we were reflecting and Daniel reminded me that Rick Warren says how ridiculous this would be if you had the cure to cancer or the cure to HIV AIDS and chose to keep that secret to yourself. That would make you a criminal. If I had that in my, in my awareness, the, the cure to cancer or, or AIDS, HIV AIDS, and I kept it to myself and I said to myself, hey, you know, I feel so good about having this cure because now if I ever get sick, I'm gonna be just fine. The fact is what you and I have been given is far more than a cure to a disease. We have been given the cure to the cosmic disease of despair and sin and guilt. And if we are to truly be stewards of that that cure, that healing that comes from knowing a God you can see, touch, Uh, hear and feel, if we are truly to be good stewards of that awareness, we must share it. This is what we hear in Philemon chapter one. Listen to these. I pray you may be active in your sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. The fact is we have some understanding of some of the good thing we have in Christ, but the writer of Philemon says, you don't know the full understanding of what you have in Christ until you give it away. Until you find a way to say to somebody, come with me, come and see this thing that changed everything. Beloved, do you realize what could happen if every one of us simply went and said, come with me, come and see all year long in 2020? If every member of Johns Creek Baptist Church made it your goal to love one person into this church by the end of the year, I'm not talking about just invite them and let it go. Whew, I did my work. I'm talking about relentlessly loving them, serving them, paying attention to them, showing up at their kids' ball games and theater performances, making sure you're there when they're sick. You ask about them when they're missing from work. If you were to love somebody that deeply, one family, I'm not asking you to recruit the entire county. 
If every family were to reach one family so that by the end of the year, they say, there is something different about this person and I wanna see where they're getting some of that stuff. Well, then come with me, come and see. If we did that, if everyone did that, we could not contain the number of people hungry for that kind of feast. You're like, okay, well, Sean, are you talking about, you know, bringing people to the church or bringing people to the Lord? And I'm saying, yeah, mm-hmm. Both is always better than or. <laughs> but the truth is they are inextricably linked to one another. Because my question for you is this, is there aliveness at this church? That is a yes or no, and I need a witness. Do you sense at any point in our togetherness the resurrected Christ in our midst? Yeah? Is there some sense in which when we gather, there is some kind of strength of community and power and hope that, that happens because we're here? Because if the answer is yes, that means that we are the body of Christ. That we are the body of Christ. So when you invite somebody to church... You're inviting them to come and see the body of Christ and never underestimate what would happen, never underestimate what would happen through the power of the Spirit when someone comes to the body of Christ. Because in a prayer at church on Sunday, the Spirit can break a heart wide open to become vulnerable enough to receive healing and forgiveness and reconciliation. In a Sunday school class, the Spirit can move in such a way that somebody showed up to church lonely, but they left empowered because they realized, at least I'm not going through this all by myself. In a worship service, we can sing a hymn. The band in the Family Life Center can play a song. The, the choir in here can, can lift up an anthem. And a tear could come to our eyes because the soul is trying to leak out into life. And if that's true, then when you invite somebody to that kind of environment, you are inviting them to an environment in which the transformation of their life is possible. Come with me. Come and see. So now every time we give you an announcement about what's coming and we say, hey, Blue Christmas service is coming up for those who may be sad at Christmas, it's not a program announcement. It's not some public service announcement. By the way, on Wednesday, the December, the whatever, we're going to have the, 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 the blue Christmas service. No. It's a summons. It's a clarion call. Are you sad at Christmas? No, I'm perfectly fine. Well, good, because your job now is to find somebody who is. Somebody whose heart is broken this Christmas. Somebody who doesn't want to go do the, do, the, do the holidays again all alone. You go to them and say, you know what? You don't have to. Come with me. Come and see this service in which there is healing, where we wipe tears and we light candles and we feel somehow like we can make it through Christmas this year. Come with me. Come and see in everything that we will plan, everything that we plan in the church, every sermon, every Bible study, every group, every activity, every ministry, every mission is to provide a venue for you to say to somebody you love, come with me, come and see. So this week, may you walk into this week as normal human beings, not creepy, not pushy, normal human beings who simply want to love the world. And may you 
recognize that somewhere this week, God will put someone in front of you who is desperate for what we have here. And may you in that moment muster the courage not to get fancy with your words or quote a whole chapter of scripture, but may you in that moment find the courage to simply say, you know what? I don't understand everything you're going through, but I know that I've been through some of that and I know others have. And if you would come with me and come and see what we do about that kind of thing at church, come and see, come with me. And may you in that encounter not only find the comfort of the spirit who is in your words, but the spirit who is bonding all of us in his own image. Let's pray. God, we recognize that we live in a world in which it's very difficult to cross over boundaries, especially theological, religious boundaries in which we set up territories. It's so difficult to welcome anyone in, difficult to walk over into anyone else's personal journey. But we pray this week that you would break down barriers of every kind. And in breaking them down, we pray that you would show us how you are attempting to partner with us in bringing all who are hungry and thirsty, all who are in pain, all who are struggling, that we may heal together in this shared space and shared environment of love. And we pray even this day that if there is someone here who is hurting, that during the singing of this next hymn, we might be able to find healing for them as well pray that you would move in the hearts of all who are gathered to some moment of decision in this very hour. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Lord.